0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 10 of the two pad stack. I'm Ace. I am
1: alongside Burge. How are you doing today, Burge? Hanging in there, man. You know, just, you know, slaving away at work. And But hey, it's a great day. We had real hockey today.
0: Real very exci- live
1: very, hockey. Very exciting. To see the black and gold get back on the ice. Debut the New Jerseys uh, there at the Garden today. Playing the New York Rangers. you know We'll get into that in a little bit. But uh yeah, very excited to have hockey back. How are you Hell doing yeah. today?
0: Dude, I'm doing good. It's been a long weekend already. I uh if you don't know, I talk about it a lot. I work at the brewery on the weekends. So just finished my shift about an hour and a half ago. So um yeah, just trying to get settled back in at home. But it was a it was a good little weekend for me. Um it was uh we had the Pats game on on the projector today. Yeah. Um yeah, we'll talk we'll talk a little bit about that today too. Um but yeah, it was good, not bad. Um and as always, as another side note, um two pad stack is brought to you from our good friends at Primetime Productions. Um they've got a lot of great content coming out. We've got uh articles on uh, MLB, NHL, NFL, NBA, I think, um podcasts all across that area too. So uh yeah, definitely check out the Primetime Productions uh account on Twitter or X. They also have a presence on Instagram. Um so yeah, scope them out. Um but yeah, let's talk about the topic at hand here. Um the Bees officially hit the ice in their Centennial uniform for the first time. Um TD Garden actually had a pretty lively crowd today. It looked
2: pretty um,
0: full. Yeah, it's a good good turnout for preseason hockey. Uh I generally don't like to go to preseason games too much because you just aren't getting a really good product. But I think that the the lineup decision that Jim Montgomery made for this team today, um, he played a lot of players that are going to have to play their hearts out to get a chance to get NHL minutes. So it seemed like a lot of them were really just trying to get out there and, and make their presence known, and that resulted in some fun hockey to watch.
1: Absolutely, you know, i you know going into the game today, I'm big, you know, wanted to see what Brandon Boosie had going into this one it's starting in net today you know they gave him the full game which was uh was something that was awesome usually you see these goalies in the preseason split the game in some capacity so nice little uh vote of confidence from the Bruins organization letting Boosie go out there and kind of just let him run with it and boy did he not disappoint today you know nice little goose egg put out there from him and you know, a bunch of other stuff that, you know, you saw going on today. I know I only caught the first period of the game. I had a bunch of stuff going on here at home. But in that first period, I saw a lot of what I liked.
0: He really seemed, and I saw somebody else talking about this, um, he really seemed like he had a good grasp on getting low and looking around the traffic and still being able to track where that puck is going and react accordingly. You see a lot of these goaltenders today that are you know, trying to stay up and stay in their standing position as long as possible, not just going down and going into Butterfly immediately because you kind of lose that um, that lateral mobility
2: mm-hmm. when you're
0: down there. Um, so he was able to maintain his standing stance but get really low and still track the puck. And uh, in a few different scenarios, he still had the ability to react and make that save when, uh, you know, especially the goalie on the other side probably wouldn't.
1: Yeah. I mean, he looked very poised out there. He looked like an NHL goaltender to me out there. You know, you wouldn't think that this was like his, uh, one of his first, you know, bouts it, playing at the NHL level. And I know given it's preseason, you know, you got to temper, the expectations, uh, a little bit based on that, but watching him out there playing against, you know, a multi Stanley cup winning goalie and Jonathan quick. And he was the better goalie out there today by far. Um, at least from what I saw and, he, yeah. he just he just looked poised. He looked poised out there. He looked like he was seeing the he obviously was seeing the puck very well. Um, and, you know, it's it's something definitely for him a great confidence booster for him going forward. He, you know, obviously, he's not going to make the big club this year uh, with, you know, the, the Bruins goalies that they have, but definitely a promising first step or, or another large step forward. And, you know, in terms of his development going forward. And again, them giving him the full game and not taking him out for for kyle kaiser who was sitting on the bench who's been with the organization longer than than bussy has uh, it's a vote of confidence from from the organization from the coaching staff all the way up
0: yeah definitely agreed and i have to say that one save you made yeah. on i forget the guy's name on the rangers uh Jesus. It was a, I think it was a cross crease and he got all the way over there with the glove. The guy had a basically an empty net and and he yep. put his glove in the perfect spot to make that save. And The Bruins Twitter account is already out there like, saving the season and the season hasn't even started or something like that. <laughs> Crazy. It's a tough save um, to top. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, I know that I would be like, sh- I'd have a shit-eating grin if I made a save like that. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> he was close. Like his glove almost went over the line, too. Like they could I've seen that shit called as a goal in the past. So it's just it's all friggin' arbitrary. But uh yeah, my player of the game goes to uh our good friend uh Bussy there. So um he looked really, really sharp and it's exciting to see what the Bruins have in him. Once again, it's gonna be leading to some difficult personnel decisions down the road, I think as early as next summer.
1: I mean, they, they just play – he plays into the fact that the Bruins are just an absolute goalie factory. just seems like they continue to pump out prospects, you know, that can play at the NHL level. You know, some of the guys end up getting dealt away from here because you can only have two. And, you know, I mean, you could start – go as far back as, you know, Tuca. they traded for him. They developed him. Um, Dan Vladar is, is, has been a serviceable NHL goalie up in Calgary since they traded him. Obviously, Jeremy Swayman has has proven that he can play at the NHL level. It just it's it always seems like, at least as far as I can remember, I want to say at least fifteen to to twenty years going back to to, to Raycroft, where right after Raycroft there was a little bit of a downspell, but after that, Bruins fans have never had to worry about the goaltending position. You went from Tim Thomas. Stanley Cup winning goalie to Tuka Rask, who is the winningest goalie in the franchise's history to now this tandem that they have with Olmark and Swayman. It's like, you just never have to worry about the goalie position at all.
0: Yeah. And we touch on that in the interview with Shukri that's coming up later today. Um, that's coming up a little later on in the episode is just the magic that, you know, the Bruins have had in, in the crease. So um, yeah, you freaking nailed it Burge. I mean, we've had an unre- a, a, a ridiculous amount of luck and fortune um regarding the production uh and, from our goaltenders in Boston,
1: and even even the guys that they signed to bring in to be backups end up being absolute studs. You look at Yarrow Halak, a big example. Anton Hudobin, when he was here, was a stud backup. Like they they always seem to have the two the two guys that just work well together and win games for the franchise. And you know a lot of credit's got to go to goalie Bob and you know Mike Dunhaman done them you know coaching and developing yep. the kids for this and you know it's exciting because obviously we're a goalie podcast here we're both goalies and you know you we're fans of the team that just continually pumps them out and I look it's always like you see the next guy it's like okay we can move on from from a guy we have because we know we got these guys in the pipeline and they're going to step right in at, at worst be a serviceable NHL go- backup goalie
0: yeah definitely agreed um, and, and like I said, they're going to be at that crossroads next year. I mean, Swayman's only signed one year. Bussy's going to be waiver eligible here soon.
1: Mm-hmm. You're not
0: going to be able to just keep stashing him in Providence and marinating him. You know, we're going to come to that crossroads where kind of like what they did with Vladar, you know, do we cut bait here and just get an asset now and then risk putting him through waivers? Um, And I think that if they continue to see this trajectory with Bussy. Like, I, I feel like you got to move one of the two big guys. And it, whatever avenue you go, I know your stance on it, Burge. Mm-hmm. We all know your stance on it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to monitor next off season. But we've got plenty of actual hockey this season to talk about. We'll mm-hmm. save that conversation. Um, I also wanted to mention that uh, mm-hmm. I really liked what I saw at a John Beecher tonight. And I was uh, I was at training camp. Um, I was at the day one of on ice sessions, which was a great experience. I was right up against the glass. Um, met a couple other good fans and was chatting with some other media members. But it was um a lot of fun being there. And then as soon as I saw that line come out, that uh luchich Beecher um Lauco line, I was like, that's my fourth line right there. Like that that checks all the boxes for me. It's got that tenacious energy that pugnastic nature that Lucic has um, and then put that John Beecher speed and size and youth in the middle, like that checks all the boxes for me. What do you think about that as a fourth line after what you've seen and heard? Yeah, I mean, I, so far?
1: You, you really hit it on the head. It's a good combination of, of veteran presence with with mixing in the youth, which is what we've all been calling for the Bruins to do, you know, for years now is stop signing these you know, old veterans and start playing the kids, get them out there. Let's see what they can do. And, uh, you know, give them the ice time and don't bury them. Once they make a mistake, you know, this is obviously going to be a learning curve for these guys as they come up through, you know, college and the minors and juniors and all that stick with them. And I mean, looking at, looking at Beatrice stat line from the game today, again, I only saw the first period, uh, the first period of the game. So I didn't see, he didn't, exactly stand out to me at that point but i mean he, he he potted one today you know and it seemed like he was pretty dominant in the uh in the faceoff circle today too so and he stopped. had
0: a pretty big role on the pk as well which, which is, is what you want to see you know if you're going to be on that 4c role you need to be reliable in your own end you need to be able to eat mm-hmm. those penalty killing minutes Um, and I think he's just checking a lot of those boxes and I'm really excited to see him take that next step. He had that interview. Um, I forget who he was talking to, but I was listening to an interview and, and he basically straight up admitted it. He's like with the void that the Bruins have down the middle, I have my eyes on that 4C spot and I've been working on this. I've played that type of role when I was with Michigan. I played that type of role when I was with team USA on the uh, world juniors, like I can do that, and I'm, I'm gonna go out there and do it. And yeah, shout out to him, man. He was uh, he looked great out there on on both sides of the puck. Um, another young centerman that caught my eye mm-hmm. this game, uh, Matt Potrois, or however you say it.
1: Patois.
0: How do you do it, Potrois?
1: Patois as what Patois. I think it, is what uh, it sounded like on the pro- the broadcast today. I honestly had no idea how to pronounce it completely, but it was like Patois. It was like definitely a French, hmm. a French, uh, a French name there. Um No, he was definitely somebody that caught my eye in the first period. Um, That's where he potted his goal on the power play and watching them on that power play before he scored. I believe he was playing with uh DeBrusque was out there and I forget who the other guy was out there for the forward line. Van
0: Riemsdijk, I think. Uh, yeah,
1: it was JVR. It was JVR. They were moving the puck. They looked like they'd been playing together for, for, for quite some time. And again, I temper the expectations this preseason, but... Seeing them out there moving the puck as they did, always finding each other, you know, with the passes, and then seeing Patois finish that 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 goal. Granted, I I, I think that was a very, very weak goal. That was a that rough John, goal. Yeah. Jonathan Quick gave up there. And I mean, I mean, he scored on a again, a multi-stanley cup winning goaltender on the power play there. Very, very positive uh, outlook from what we saw from him today. Uh, I think he's a long shot to make the team, regardless, just because of his age and you know. Well, he's probably going to get sent back to juniors, is my is my guess. Um, but I mean, they may give him a game or two before they send him back.
0: He's got nine games that they can yeah. have before he burns that that contract ELC. So that's going to be what they want to avoid is burning an ELC year. Um, if he's here beyond the nine games, that means he's earned his spot. Mm-hmm. And I think that it goes back to what I talked to Ty Anderson about when he was on the pod. You know, you look at who they are playing these kids with that are on the bubble. And that gives you a good indication of if they actually are serious about them having a shot. And you look at you look at Beecher, and he got the two fourth line guys that was basically a lock. Mm-hmm. You look at Patois, and he has two legitimate top six NHL wingers on his line in this preseason game. So I think that they they want it like they're they're putting the ball in, in, in Patois' court. They're saying, Hey, make this a hard decision for us. Because the easy decision for us is to for us to just send you back to junior. And, you know, we would love it if you made it harder for us to make that choice.
1: And I think today he is well on his way to making that decision pretty hard for the team. I mean, he was he, he looked outstanding out there today, better than I thought I was going to see from him. But, you know, in the, in the 20 minutes that I watched of the game today, I I didn't expect to really see him. I mean, to see him get those minutes and and to look as good as he did in those power play minutes that he played. I think that was the only power play he ended up playing on. He did, he did have a little bit of the penalty kill time too, but you know, seeing him out there and potting that goal. I mean, again, say what you want about how weak the goal was from the goalie. The fact is the kid put the puck on that and it had eyes and it made its way in the back of the net. There's something to be said about that.
0: There's a lot of kids that would be in his position that would like double Think about it, like, mm-hmm. like not send that puck on net. So the fact that he had the confidence to even put that puck on net absolutely, um, and not try to find an NHL veteran to feed. And, and and Patois will be the first one to tell you that, hey, you know, I find myself being more of a playmaker. I'm a puck distributor. I like to make plays. But um, shout out to the kid for seeing an opportunity in front of him and, and making the most of it. I'll also say something that made me very excited is while I was watching him today, I saw him very active in the defensive zone as well. Um, he made a few great reads. Um, brought, he, he baited a four checker, um, ditched the puck back to a defender and started the transition. Um, hmm. And that's the stuff you see like a lot of young kids when they face the, uh, the speed and tenacity of an NHL four check. Um, it's a completely different beast from junior. It's a completely different beast from NCAA and um, I thought he handled it with grace. I thought he handled it with, with uh, you know, poise and, and I'm very excited to see what it looks like. I, I imagine he's probably going to get starts in at least three more preseason games. So the Bruins brass can get a really good look at him.
1: Yeah. And you know, if they do that, they do do that. And he continues to play the way he played tonight. They are going to be faced with that real difficult decision as to what do we do with them? you know if he, if he plays again like he did tonight and the next 3 games they're going to have to probably give him a look at in an NHL regular season game before they make the decision to send him back uh to juniors i mean that that experience alone is probably worth it and if they see him as a major part of their future which i'm again continuing to build off what we saw tonight could be the case i think that a, a regular season game is or multiple games is worth it to try to gauge where he's at and then make that difficult decision when the time comes. They have a lot of open spots down the middle of the ice here. I mean, you just lost your two top guys in, to retirement in the offseason and those this, this two center roles still up for grabs. And, you know, you never know where, you know where it could go. I mean, he comes in and he lights up in the first couple of games in the regular season. Maybe he sticks around. I mean the whole benefit to sending him back is to save that, that ELC cost controlled small, small contract for, you know, down the road. But I mean, if he's ready to go now, I mean, this is a transition year there, obviously with the, with the way the team is built going forward into next year, maybe it saves them some money. I'm going out and having to buy like a big, you know, a big name center if this kid's actually ready.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, like I said, Get out there kid and and show that you belong and honestly if you are ready to be a top six center in the NHL like that's fucking found money right Oh like, yeah that that is Donnie Sweeney and his scouting staff as much as people give them shit for their drafting mm-hmm. and their scouting like hell yeah that would be <laughs> a hell of a fine
1: if he found the, next, and again, this is a tall task to hit, but if you say you found your next Bergeron, your next your next center. I'm not saying the next captain of the team, but your next center for the next six to eight years, and he's a you know a 19, 20 year old kid. I think Don Sweetie is going to be forgiven for a lot of his issues that he's had in the last decade which you know we won't get into any of that right now it's not worth wasting our time on but (laughs) he's had his share of of problems identifying young talent which is why the bruins are kind of in the position that they are today so he finds this kid right now and this kid takes off he's a long way on fixing a lot of his problems that he had created over the last decade and decade or so
0: yeah. Um, other players that I want to mention about today's game, um, I thought that Jake DeBrusque looks like he's ready to go. He mm-hmm. was flying out there. He had a great stick. Um, his his stick positioning almost scored another goal later in the game. You probably didn't see this, Burge, nope. but he just had his stick in the lane, and the defender in his own zone tried to go D-to-D, and his stick deflected the puck, and it went right at... Um, uh, the goalie that Louis Deming was Deming, in that yeah. for the Rangers. Yep. Yeah, it went right at him and hit him in the shoulder and Deming like didn't even react. So um, yeah, Jake looked great. He had a good goal there in the second. Um, I know it's preseason, but that was a, a Van Riemsdyk first point as a Bruin for the secondary assist. Um, there was some slight injury concerns at the end of the game. Um, C- Coach Montgomery said that um, Jacob Zaboral and patrick brown um they were remaining out of the lineup for precautionary reasons so sounds like they're a little banged up there was some pain management being done on the bench i believe that brick was alluding to that in the second period or third period so uh hopefully we can evade the the injury bug especially on players like Zboril and brown yeah. who have a chance of uh, you know playing actual nhl minutes
1: and one that you really want to see something from him this year. I mean, he, if he misses time early on due to injury, that's, 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 that's really too bad. I mean, he's one of those picks from the 2015 draft that has kind of hung around. He's been kind of a fringe seventh defenseman for this team for the past few years. It seems like guy you really want to see, just take that step forward to just be an everyday top, top six defenseman. I mean, he doesn't need mm-hmm. to be a top, four or top two guy on this team, we, this team has a, has plenty of defenders, you know, at its, at its disposal, but you want him to crack the lineup more than he has in years past. So hopefully what he's dealing with is quick. He can get back out there and, and continue to push to, to fight for, I would say a, probably a bottom pairing role at this point.
0: Yeah. He's not getting anything more than that. I mean, and I do think that two years ago um, he was uh, a regular participant of this team and he was in the top six spot unfortunately he had that acl tear in nashville and he was never the same player that year obviously what his season was done when that happened Mm -hmm. but i mean uh you know the next training camp he didn't look like he was the same and i feel like he's also one of those players that he's always second guessing what he's doing and he's kind of in his own head he's Mm -hmm. got all the tools he just doesn't quite seem to to be able to put it all together. I call it um, a case of the yips. <laughs> yeah, a little bit for sure. Um, but yeah, we haven't mentioned the score yet. Um, it was a three nothing shutout win for Bussy. So shout out Stick Taps for Bussy. Um, AJ Greer got the shit kicked out of him. Um, <laughs> he uh, he had a good hit on Ben Harper on the defensive zone for the Rangers, and then uh, Harper let him know that. We don't really appreciate that very much. And <laughs> then uh, the, the mitts were dropped, and Greer, uh, you know, he definitely didn't have the size advantage in this one, and uh, Harper was letting him fly. Eventually the tarp got pulled over Greer's head. And generally speaking, you know, I know we're not in the era of enforcers anymore, but, you know, when when somebody has a jersey over their head, you you probably shouldn't be throwing punches anymore. Um, yeah. Harper didn't get that memo and he probably threw four or five punches at Greer's head while the jersey was over his head. And I'm really kind of surprised that the ref didn't step in and say, all right, guys, like it's done. He literally can't fucking see anything like you see that happen all the time in the NHL and it didn't happen there
1: super odd i mean it's not often you see a, a jersey pulled over a guys heads anymore because they got those straps on the jerseys now that hold the jerseys down so that they you can't do that and the fact that it got over his head yeah i mean especially in the league that's trying to i don't want to say eliminate the fighting even though that's kind of maybe where the league is trending against my will but they're trying to eliminate and minimize the fighting uh that occurs in the league. And especially in a preseason game, I would have, you know, you probably want to see the ref step in there. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, he laid a good hit and, you know, he dropped the, he was a willing combatant. So at that point, you know, he, 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 he took his licks and, you know, we'll move on to the next one. And he's that type of player. He's a physical player. And, you know that's kind of where he he he's a bottom six guy and that's kind of where he fits in he's one of those physical grinder type players
0: i don't see him fitting in anymore uh, i think it's... he's lost his job and that's why he's going out there and he he's kind of doing the whole greg campbell thing like mm-hmm. i i can't do anything right so i'm going to fight and that'll make me feel like i'm contributing
1: yeah um, i mean he's a guy i was i had high hopes for to make the make the team this year as in that kind of that fourth line role but you know still some more preseason to go. So we'll see. I mean, he was kind of a guy that was in and out of the lineup last year. He had some pretty high, high points at the beginning of the year. And then, you know, he kind of disappeared, wasn't in the lineup as much. So he's got to try to make a name for himself in these, these next preseason games or else he's going to get put on waivers and try to be sent down to the minors at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would be willing to bet money that he'll be Providence bound or, maybe another NHL team saw that what he did at the beginning of the year and they pick him up on waivers. so um, yeah, um, so we'll uh, we'll move on uh, past the player side of things. so it was great to see them back on the ice. Garden crowd is awesome. Um, Nesson side of things on the production side of things uh, already came out that Jack Edwards would be indeed returning. He would had um, he got medical clearance that he's good to go for this year uh i have not made it a secret that i am at my exhaustion point with jack edwards um i really loved jack like 15 10 years ago or so um I-, I felt like he really brought a level of intelligence and passion uh to the game but unfortunately i i'm not a doctor i don't know what's going on nor should i really speculate but mm-hmm something's going on with jack and he's really not able to string like two or three sentences in a row together without some sort of um, error in his speech and when you are a a play-by-play guy i don't think it's too offensive to say that the core function of your job is is coherent speech Mm -hmm. and that's kind of friggin important and we just haven't had that
1: absolutely and you know for me Again, like I agree with you, 10, 15 years ago, I was all about him. I loved, I loved how enthusiastic and passionate he was about the Bruins. And nowadays, I mean, you know, all the stuff you set aside, I'm, I'm a little bit over the whole Homer isms that he throws out. I'm <laughs> um, just, I'm just like, dude, like just call the game. You can throw them out every now and then, but it just seems like it comes out every single time, you know, him going after the refs and all that. I, I Maybe I'm getting old and that's why I'm saying I don't want to hear all these homerisms anymore. Um, I personally well, the- I personally wanted them to move on from him before Dave Gosher left for Vegas. That was where I was like, yeah, give, give Gosher the contract to be on TV and let's move on. but obviously great. they didn't do that.
0: Yeah, and I think I think a lot of it is I don't I I think he's just lost his touch a little bit because he would throw those homerisms out, but it would be at like the perfect time, and the execution on them mm-hmm. was fantastic. Like you think back to the whole um, I, I forget oh yeah it was uh, the Lucic Kalmuseric fight yep and he came out with the perfect line tonight they have beaten them and they have beaten them up and it yep. was just spot on delivery like it's one of the top clips uh in the last 15 years as a bees fan for me to go up and look up on youtube shout out to fumi um yes but he just doesn't have it anymore and he it seems like he's just trying to throw out things to like harken back to the way that he was but the timing's off and it just it it doesn't execute well anymore so um i'm going to politely say jack i love you dude i, I i'll always think fondly back on our time together but it's time for you to go and and retire to the the log cabin in in Durham, New Hampshire with the wife and uh, the Stanley pup and watch the Bruins hockey on TV. The guy that we had on today on Nesson, I actually, as soon as I heard that the LA Kings let this guy go and they didn't renew his contract, I was clamoring for Nesson to give him a call. Um, so, yeah, today's on the play by play for Nesson. Alex Faust, um, who had actually done NCAA calls, Hockey East calls in the past, who spent how many, do you know how many years he was with LA? That I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. So he's really well regarded by Kings fans multiple years, probably like four or five years that he was a play by play guy for the Kings. Um, he was there on the mic, and I thought he absolutely killed it tonight
1: right there with you on that i remember when i tuned in tonight and i was listening to the to the broadcast i'm like this guy sounds like you know a true play-by-play guy he's he's not gonna be you're not gonna get that you're not gonna get that enthusiastic homer isms out of him i don't feel maybe you know he gets a full-time job here whenever it comes and it starts coming out because you know a lot of the fans do appreciate that enthusiasm and that passion that you know jack Edwards brings to the table but i'm more of the guy kind of guy that wants it wants you to just tell me the game and when something big happens feel free to you know let your emotions come out but in a controlled manner and you know communicate how like you know oh that's a bullshit call but obviously you can't say that but like in that that kind of like tone and you know Almost like you can feel like his body language when he's when he's when he's saying that because like with Jack Edwards, every time he says something like that, you can you can picture what he looks like as he's saying it without needing to see him, and I think that's a great thing to have as long as there's some control around it. And mm-hmm. he seemed to, he seemed to have some good chemistry with Brick up there, you know, and, and from from the, the small portion that I heard, and you know, maybe we'll we'll see them start to give him some, some games during the year, you know, if Jack needs some time off, you know, you kind of start that transition. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll, maybe that's something we'll get to see this year.
0: Yeah. Maybe we'll get some load management for Jack Edwards. Yeah. We'll, uh, <laughs> maybe we'll have a one, a one B with, uh, with our play by play guy. they'll maybe there'll be a play by play
1: hug. Uh, I game. knew you were going there. I knew you were. going there. <laughs> I was going to say no hug, but you beat me to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So speaking of things that you don't like, the Bruins have a new captain, and his name is uh, almost a Patrice Bergeron. Sheesh, uh, I'm living in the past. Brad Marsh, yeah, finish that drink. Yeah, all right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, the moment you've all been waiting for, we are sitting here live. Well, not live when you're listening to it. <laughs> yeah. but we're going to hear Burz the goalies rant about Brad Marsh and the captain. I hand it over to you, my friend.
1: Look, I'm not stupid. I knew that this was going to be the result of this whole thing from the beginning. Obviously, if you follow me on Twitter or anywhere, I'm pretty pretty violently against Marchand being a captain. And if everybody knows, I wanted 20 assistant captains on the team this year. No, but all honesty, I wanted three assistant captains. This team is a team in transition, all right? We have our old core, last decade of the team, Patrice Bergeron, Zdeno Chara, You know, David Krejci, all those names, Brad Marchand included as a part of that. And then you kind of have the new guard coming in. You know, you can include David Posternock in that, Charlie McAvoy. You can even kind of include Charlie Coyle as a part of that that crew, even though he's on the older end. Brad Marchand represents the old to me. All right. A culture that, in my eyes, the inmates kind of ran the asylum with this team towards the end of uh, the end of the run with Bruce Cassidy, obviously we know what happened with Bruce Cassidy. He left, he got fired, brought in Jim Montgomery. Don't hate that. Hated the fact that in the way that Bruce Cassidy was let go from this team. And I think that a lot of that was driven from the players. All right. This team has, and I'll even say it right now, the team has underachieved in the last decade. This Bruce Bergeron should have one more than one cup, say what you want about the reasons as to why they don't, Tuca, <clears throat> yeah, I knew that was coming. That's why I paused. <laughs> Say what, whatever reason you want, the team is underachieved, and you kind of hear you hear the rumblings kind of, kind of coming out of that locker room about how you know the players are the reason why Tuca was playing with a busted labrum in his hip in the, in 2021, and, and 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 all that. The Bruins kind of wasted an opportunity here to kind of move forward from that old core to that new core and you could say Charlie McAvoy wasn't ready for the for the C this year and fine I can buy that name the three assistants I believe that the whole reason that the team actually named a captain this year was because they wanted to sell jerseys with a C on it with Brad Marchand's name on it and the team Jeremy Jacobs wanted to make his money can disagree with it all you want that's kind of where I sit I hope I'm wrong with Brad I hope he's able to kind of be that bridge gap to Charlie McAvoy or David, whoever's going to be the next captain. I personally think it's going to be Charlie McAvoy. Um, I think a lot of people share that opinion. I just don't like this this whole thing of naming a new captain every two years. It just seems like there's no continuity between that leadership and that locker room. And obviously, Brad Marchand has been there the longest out of all those guys. Okay, and I get that, and I get that he's pro- he's earned a a seat at that leadership table to, to wear the seat to a certain extent. But I just think of a more of a long-term picture for this team, take the step forward, kind of wash out the old and shup, shovel in a new era for this, for this club. I know Ace, I know you disagree with me on this. And uh, most people do disagree with me on this. I, I, I actually, I'm not,
0: I'm not a, that, that much on the disagreement side, I, I actually oh. have come out and I said, you know, I have my own concerns with Brad Marchand representing our franchise as a captain due to his antics in his past. Um, but in his defense, I will say Brad Marchand for the last three seasons is a very different player than what Brad Marchand was in his first seven seasons. Um, I do think that he, as you had indicated, earned his place at the table and the leadership side of things. Um I, I I don't know if it's necessarily about selling jerseys. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do believe it's it's a nod towards the work that he has put in, you know, under tutelage with Patrice Bergeron and becoming a better leader, a better player, a better person. Um, and I do think that I know we say that this is a transition year. Don Sweeney's already come out and said, we're gonna be a tough out. We have every intention on competing again this year. And the hallmark of this Boston Bruins team is build from the net out, have a strong defense, have a strong goaltending unit, and let the forwards have a dogfight up front. Now, last year was an outlier. Nobody thought the Bruins were going to be a high-flying, high-octane offense team. That was a really strange thing that happened, and I was happy that it happened, but um, that's not going to be the case. So I think that they're, we're still going to be a very good team. They're going to try to win a fucking cup. It's Mm -hmm. stupid to not to. Um, And I think having a player like Brad Marchand that realizes that my runway left of my NHL career is short. I don't have like five, six, seven more seasons to have a crack at the cup. This is it. This is it for me. And I'm going to pull these fucking guys into the fight if I have to. That's why I like Brad Marchand getting the C. But I also am right there with you in regards to The new era of Boston Bruins hockey. Um, Brad Marchand is not at that that same core level as David Pasternak, as Charlie McAvoy, um, as Jeremy Swayman. You know, and your take on that aside, you know, if they decide Mm -hmm. to go with Swayman, he's in that age category. Absolutely, I mean, totally agree with you. So, if the Bruins wanted to have that legacy captain. You know, when you think of Captain C, you think of Zedano Chara, right? Mm-hmm. Zedano Chara wore the C for like 15 seasons or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved, like Ray Bork style captain, you know, really long term figurehead, not the we get a new captain every two or three years. Like I I do think it was kind of a shame that Patrice only got to wear it for the short amount of time that he did, but he basically was a secondary captain with Zedano yeah. Chara the entire time. Um, and that's kind of the same thing with with Martian. Martian was kind of like an assistant captain of the Bergeron. But um, if they wanted to officially turn the page and position this team for long-term leadership, I would have been A-OK with, with Charlie McAvoy, given the C as well. Um, I would said that publicly. I was like, either way, the Bruins are going to go through two different options. They're not going to do the A's because that's just not our thing. I don't think there's ever been a time where we had other than when i think maybe when we traded joe thornton and he lost the captaincy i think we had a season of transition there Mm -hmm. but um but yeah it it came down to two things Marchand or mcavoy i mean you have pasta who's out in the media some people are like oh you give the 60 goal guy the cap No. no pasta doesn't have that that i don't think he's that kind of guy i don't think he's a a true leader i think i think he he deserves ea He needs to have a seat at the table when you're paying a guy 11 something million dollars and he's scoring 60 goals a year for you. You do what you can to make him happy, but you don't really want him going and and talking to the refs when we're getting fucked on with calls. You know what I mean? You want somebody that will go to the table and go to war for you. Possibly would rather hand him a nice coffee um, and talk (laughs) about. uh...
1: Go sit in the box. Two minutes. (laughs) Ref, check your voicemail.
0: You missed some calls. (laughs) Um but yeah, no. I, I, I'm right there with you. I get what you're saying, and I don't think it's that funny. I just think it's been a meme now, the whole 28 Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's turned into a meme, and I'm, I'm all here for it. You know, that's 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 all good fun, dude. You got that I'm not gonna not gonna squawk back about that. But at the end of the day, like I want the Bruins to be set up for that long-term success. And I know Don Sweeney's come out and said we're gonna be competitive and all that, but I look at this roster and I'm like. Right now, I see a team in transition, a team that is going to sniff the playoffs, probably going to make the playoffs, but I don't see them making a serious contender run at, at the Cup. And again, we're doing the show today on September 24th. You know what I mean? Like,
0: Did you see Florida Panthers making a serious I, run?
1: No, I didn't, but they were a President's Trophy team the year before, and they really didn't make all that many changes to that squad other than bringing in Matthew Kachuk. So, like they they were more poised and ready to do something like that than I would say losing,
0: um, who the Mackenzie Wegar and Jonathan Huberto are pretty significant changes. But you
1: bring in a guy with the caliber of Matthew Kachuk, and again, what, the, he plays, the professional
0: loser to McDavid that's all <laughs> Kachuk did over there. <laughs>
1: Dude dude can play, and he plays with that that edge that I wish he was in freaking Boston Brewing, that's for oh sure. Oh, my like God, dude. Absolute ideal Boston Brewing type. Oh, man.
0: my God. Do you know how many jerseys they'd fucking sell if they oh had a guy God. like Matt Kachuk on this no, team?
1: No kidding. And, you know, again, going back, I want them positioned for long-term success, and if that means making the tough decision of trading 35-year-old Brad Marchand to replenish all of the assets they have given up, in the last year, couple of years to try to make runs at the Stanley Cup to usher in a new era. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be upset or or, or you know cry over it. I, I think that they need to make the best decisions for the team going forward long term. With him getting the C now, if this team underachieves this year and they look like they're gonna miss the playoffs there's no way you're going to see them trade Brad Marchand now that they've given him the seat at the trade deadline no. this year or even next year. That's not going to happen now. So he's going to be 30. He is 35 going to be 36. And mm-hmm. I, again, I want, I got one success. thing to
0: throw at you here. Oh boy. Joe Pavelski. Yeah, Dude I mean, is 39 years I old. I know. And he is still lighting it the fuck up in Dallas and yeah. if he can do it why why
1: not brad? oh i'm sure brad could do it i'm sure brad could do it but if is is the organization going to be positioned at that you know with things around him aside from you know three players that we that you you named beforehand are they going to be positioned to be able to, to to do that or are they going to just have him and be this constant kind of middler? First, second round exit team, especially that's what they were the last they last decade. I mean, they they underachieved. They were always a first or second round exit. It seemed like, and you know, we want to win Stanley Cups here, and it, it, if it means yep. trading him away to to replenish all the assets that they've given you, up and and do all that going forward, I'm I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be upset about that.
0: You know, though, you know that the Jacobs family will never tolerate a rebuild in Boston. I understand that doesn't
1: doesn't mean I agree with it. Doesn't mean I agree with
0: it. So it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. Like it's straight up not happening. It'll never happen. They will continuously bargain bin their way to an eighth seed and probably first round it out. Every that's just how it is in Boston.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I won't argue that at all. It it doesn't mean that I won't call for it and want to see it happen to be better for the franchise going forward. That's that. That's kind of where I sit on it. I want to see them. I want to see them make moves to have sustained long-term success and win championships. That's what I want to see. I want to see championships, anything else other than that. I don't want to say it's a complete failure, but like it's an underachievement, especially Mm -hmm. the last decade with the talent that they've had in this town. And, 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 you know, the expectations that they've had for this team.
0: Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. And if that decision ever comes, it's going to happen when Jeremy Jacobs is dead just that's just how it's gonna happen yeah which hopefully as shitty as this is to say i'd rather that guy be gone anytime now um it's been better lately but like 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 come on montgomery burns it's time (laughs) like pass the torch (laughs) on officially um exactly smithers (laughs) johnny Don sweetie smithers yeah don sweetie smithers
1: Oh, my uh, God. No, I agree with you, though. I, I, I agree. You know, they they they'll they'll happily take their three extra home games up to three extra home games and gotta exit, get that gate revenue, you know, and look what they did with the garden with shrinking the seats down I had to add more seats oh, and dude. changing the colors and all that. Like
0: my fat ass can barely fit in those seats. I'm right there with
1: you. When I first Bro. sat in there, I'm like, I got to sit in an end seat for me to be comfortable here so I can <laughs> at least stretch my leg out. We took my so, son we t- we took my son and he sat on my lap and there was no room for him to just stand up. No. I couldn't just stand up in front of me like no. I had they let him play on the stairs just so I could actually enjoy the game.
0: Yeah. Uh, if they do if by some act of god this ownership team ever decides that okay, let's rebuild and liquidate and sell assets, I do not want this management team at the helm of that. Like I would want to clean house. New president, new GM, very much maybe even maybe um Gold, Evan Gold. Like maybe you give him and a bunch of analytics people the chance at at running a rebuild, but I do not have the faith in the amateur scouting team and Don Sweeney to traverse an actual rebuild.
1: I'm there with you, but I have faith in Don Sweeney and the and the current setup to acquire the assets needed for that rebuild i would i would be okay with them making moves to make trades to acquire pieces for that because i mean outside of i i can't think of a real trade that 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 don sweeney has made he's always made moves that were for buying he's always been a buyer at you know as far as i can remember outside of going back to 2015, you know, when he took over, when they traded Lucic and they made all those moves to acquire all that capital. were
0: actually good moves.
1: They were fantastic moves. They, the trades they made, you know, you trade, uh, you trade Dougie Hamilton, you get a pick. You trade Milan Lucic, you get a pick. You get Martin Jones in that trade. You get another pick for, for Martin Jones back then. Yep. I, I'd, I'd be okay with him acquiring the assets. I'm not okay with him making the draft picks. No. Yeah. no i so, wouldn't trust him for that i'd want to see something new
0: and i know that and I, this is no secret to anybody i'm not like leaking insider information like uh donnie didn't want to make those three picks we did not want to make no. those three picks in succession uh um, exactly they they were pushing hard to move up and draft noah hannafin and uh, uh I think they got and this is pretty shitty to say like it's literally your job to be prepared at the draft table they got caught with their pants down absolutely with those three picks in a row and they were like flailing with their arms out, oh god we have to make three picks
1: um and would have, been, would have been better if they just went off like Bob McKenzie's list to make those yeah picks. right like, <laughs> like let ESPN auto draft you there yeah <laughs> I would have ended up with at least two hits out of that, not just one. Oh my god!
0: Yeah, you get Barzell and Kyle Connor. Jesus, I'd be I okay with stop. Barzell,
1: Kyle Connor, and uh and Jake DeBrusque. I would have been all over that. Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> We'd be set. We wouldn't. That's even your be, second line, right there. <laughs> we wouldn't even be arguing about trading Brad Marchand at this point if he had actually hit on those picks. <laughs> oh my god.
0: So I don't want to relive the 2015 draft. No, I don't ride. either. We're not I'm going sorry. there. Nope, not going um, there. But yeah, I, I think that I think we're going to trade We we it's it's a competitive transition year, I'll say. Retool, not stole, a rebuild. It's not even a retool. We're not selling anybody and grabbing anybody else. Like we, we lost two players due to retirement, and now we are looking at both internal and external replacements. Nobody's going still- to
1: replace Patrice Bergeron, but I still consider that a retool.
0: David Krejci
1: is going to be sure. re-
0: replaced by Matt Pachua.
1: Your favorite player be your favorite player David Krejci.
0: Yeah, I am noted David Krejci hater. Aaron A's chiseling.
1: I buy a lot of Bruins jerseys,
0: a lot. Never a Krejci jersey.
1: Never. I'll never understand that. I'll never understand that kind of hatred for that player.
0: I just I, don't I, I I've talked about it before. This guy never showed any passion for anything never like somebody punched him in the mouth he'd like just skate to the bench and sit down yeah well so is like um Jacob Voracek same country you punched Voracek in the face he's gonna fucking slash you in the throat like that's the passion not that I'm advocating for slashing people in the throat but at least you showing that you're pissed off and you give a shit And you are proud to represent the logo on the... And I think also, like, I have a deep-seated frustration with the fact... And this isn't Krejci's fault. I blame fucking Peter Chiarelli for this. But for a while, Krejci was the highest-paid forward on the team. And it looked like he just couldn't give less of a fuck about being a Bruin.
1: He also didn't... I mean, I think he maybe you would have seen some emotion if they had actually found a fit for him on his line. Yeah, you know, it seemed that was the always, always the conversations. Who's going to be Krejci's winger? Yeah, who's going to be Krej? Who are they going to find to play with him to you know f- take his passes and be that natural goal scorer? They never found it. They never found it. And Taylor Hall was probably the best player that they brought in to do that. That actually stuck for more than a year or half a year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you had a Ginla come in. He was a year. You know, you just had those. Those after Nathan Horton was gone and Lucic was gone, you just never saw it was a
0: revolving door.
1: It was a revolving door. And, you know, I think him leaving and then coming back, it's kind of showed some maybe some of his frustration. I know he wanted to go home and play in front of, you know, his in his home country. But at the same time, like I'd be frustrated, too. And maybe I wouldn't necessarily show it. I mean, I'd just be like, I'm going to show up, make be the highest played player on the team, take my money and go on my way.
0: Yeah, but that's not that's why I don't like him. Like that's he a didn't, fair point. It's a fair point. He never like went out there and was like, fuck yeah, that guy's a Bruin, and he loves being a Bruin. Like, I want to root for guys that embrace the spoke be and, and really are ambassadors of what that is, the passion, the pride, the, the integrity, the commitment. Um, and that guy's never done it for me. And then he always like I, I felt like it was a seasonal thing for him to go and talk to a Czech newspaper and complain about things and like complain about the franchise it's like come on man like you're gonna what? do that over there in the czech republic like talk to u.s media and do this shit and work it out with your coach like get over yeah it yourself. I,
1: I don't know i'd be a little pissed off too if if it was a constant revolving door of who i was playing with i'd be a little pissed off and yeah like you said you could say it here say it to the media here or to the coaching staff here or you know that was just his method of getting it out you know probably venting that was probably what it was and
0: well if he wanted to have consistent line mates that he didn't have to make better he should like i don't know make less than seven million dollars because when you're making that much money and you have been identified as somebody that improves your teammates your team is going to be assembled in a strategic way of putting players that probably aren't as good with you because you make them better like it sucks but like that's how you're utilized and you should probably identify that and understand that instead of going home into a foreign country and complain about it.
1: Yeah, I, I can, I can buy that, you know, but with, with Krejci, it was just like, he was, he was so critical to their playoff success. And, you know, he gets hurt. The mm-hmm. team ends up, you know, getting knocked out just is 2010 and 2010 is the biggest example of that. He gets hurt and they end up blowing a yep. 3L lead. So yep. he, he, he was a major, major part of the 2011 Cup or, cup win, you know, and he set up Nathan Horton on that, that winning goal to send him to the Cup Final. And
0: Gorgeous goal. Absolutely. Great, fantastic player. So much skill. One of the best puck distributors I, I think I'll ever see in a Bruins uniform. Just looks like he didn't give a shit. Yeah,
1: You're you questioning the heart.
0: Like, look at Mark Savard. Yeah, Another top-tier forward centerman. And once again, this might be the European, North American thing. But Savvy fucking loved being a Bruin. And, you know, he scores that goal in overtime against Philly. And he leaps in the air. And the stick the gets heated in, in, like, the 50th fucking row. and And, like, that guy loved it. And you could see his passion. And... I just ate that shit up. Those are the kind of guys that I love being a Bruin. Um, I would replace a healthy Mark Savard with Krejci's tenure here. Ten out of time. Ten ten out of ten times.
1: It's a shame we never actually got to see what that tenure looked like. I know. Fuck you, Matt Cook.
0: Piece of shit.
1: And then Matt Hunwick hit him up later on. Yeah, like, that's what did him in. That ended it. That's what ended yeah. it. His old yep. teammate. His old teammate Fuck. ended up ending it. Yeah. That's one guy that, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he was part of the, you know, that free agency science yeah. that ended up restarting the Bruins. I mean, they were in um, absolute disaster before, you know, Mark Savard showed up and Zidane O'Chara showed up. And they were c- critical for jump-starting what was, you know. Really, last... where we're at today, Yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, 15 years of just being... Always in the conversation, always there to you know say, hey, these guys are gonna be a, again a tough out, they're gonna be in yeah. contention to you know win the Stanley Cup at year in and year out. Those those Mark Savard was as critical a part of the of starting that whole process as anybody, yeah. as the goaltenders, as Chara, as anybody. And it's a it, it is an absolute shame that we actually didn't get to see it. So shout out to Mark Savard, hope he's doing well. And assistant coach with the Calgary flames. Yeah. Coaching now. And I just hope he's doing well and, and hope he's, you know, let him know. We miss him here in Boston. I mean, I, I couldn't remember that when they traded his contract away, I forgot he was still under contract with the team. I uh I was
0: advocating for that open uh, assistant captain spot for that to go to Savvy. Like he's been on social media multiple times like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I would love to coach in Boston. Please, yeah, Boston. I still love Boston." I was like, "Fuck yeah, hire this guy." And I don't know. I think Donnie Sweeney just doesn't like him or something. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite possible. <laughs> All right. Um, why don't we go over to that Shukri Wrights interview? Um, it was really fun having him on. Um, I never realized how intelligent of a Bruins fan or um, uh, analyst that he is uh, regarding the Bees. So uh wonderful conversation. We're going to take you over to that right now. All right. And we are here with a wonderful co-host today on the two pad stack. We have Shukri Wrights joining us today. How's it going, Shuk?
2: I'm doing well Aaron it's a, pri- it's a privilege to be on the pod I thank you for having me. How are you doing
0: dude I'm doing great it's um it's a fun day we're uh, recording a little earlier than what we do here on the two- pad stack We usually yeah. are recording on Monday evenings but thankfully Shukri was able to fit us into his schedule and you know we're on here uh on a Wednesday afternoon recording and it's an exciting day here in in Boston land here for for bees yeah. fans across the uh, the area the Bruins have a new captain um and it's none other than the little ball of hate the rat king whatever nickname you have for the guy <laughs> brad Marchand has been named the captain of the boston bruins what's yeah. your quick take from that Shook?
2: i'm not surprised that brad Marshan was named as captain i was personally um hoping that it'd be mcavoy since he's going to be here a little longer i mean who knows brad marshall how long he'll be here for but off the off the cuff, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, Marshan has long been considered to be a vital part of the Bruins leadership group, um, especially when Zidane Ochara was still here as a Bruin, and obviously he's not retired, um, mm-hmm. and Bergeron and so forth. So when it came time to making the decision, I thought it was interesting um when Marshan actually kind of admitted that he was kind of hoping that he be named that he be named captain, um, and which is a a massive honor, especially for an original sixteen. And absolutely, and, you know, like and, and I do want to touch on something that I think that is really important to really chronicle chron- chronic his journey. Um, one, this was a guy who got called up as a fourth liner, and he you know scratched and clawed his way to from be, from being a fourth liner to being a top six guy and I remember when he told former head coach uh Claude Julian wing is coach in Bruins history that I'm gonna score you 20 goals this season and he goes out and scores 21 goals the year the Bruins won the Cup in 2011 2010 2011 season and from there he continued to work and obviously he developed a reputation for his all ice antics and so forth and I would say starting in the 2015 16 season, he really began to shift in terms of the on ice antics and his offensive game really began to to take off. Where he was giving you 35, 37, 39 goals a season on average, like for a good three, like four year, five year stretch, and and now. He's widely considered to be among the top three or four left wingers in all of hockey, period, left wing or right wing, and rightfully so. So the thing that that stands out to me, and Patrice Bergeron, the now um, retired former captain and future Hockey Hall of Famer, he said that Marshall is the hardest working guy on the ice. And this was – after Chara left, obviously, we all know about Zedano Chara's um work ethic and so forth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Marchand, but Marshan was the guy that put in the work consistently, and you see that he's gone from fourth liner, scrappy dude, to suspensions, licking of the face uh, um to Ryan Callahan during the 2018 <laughs> second round, which we all yeah. we all remember, um, and so forth, and and now becoming a captain. If you told me that this was going to be the trajectory of leadership that Marshan would take when he became a Bruin, I would have laughed. There's, I'm like, there's no way he go from one of the most hateable players in the NHL to now a captain of a legendary franchise who's entering its, its, its centennial season. I would have, I wouldn't have believed it, but it's really unbelievable and amazing the journey that that Martian has taken up until this point to become now the newest captain, the 27th captain in Bruins history. It's really kind of like a storybook, right? Really you you know,
0: I mean, Brad was never, I mean, I can't say never. I mean, you look at anybody that makes the NHL, when they're in like youth hockey, they're going to be the best player in their city, the best player on their teams. But when the, the level of competition really got high and it was best on best for his age group, Brad Marchand was never that premier top and forward at any level. Like he was mm-hmm. on the Canadian world junior teams, but yeah. he was like third line, fourth line. And that kind of continued as you alluded to Shukri that continued at the beginning of his NHL career. But mm-hmm. it was that feisty nature that um, I'm not going to get told what I can do or be limited by anyone else mm-hmm. mentality that he had that really won him a job at the NHL level. That propelled him to a higher level than he'd ever been, and and you hit the nail on right on the head. I mean, I think he regressed a little bit last year, probably due to the hip surgery. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, he's widely regarded as still one of the top five wingers in the NHL, and I think now that and I've spoke about this on some of my previous episodes, my listeners may know, but I, I think that now that Patrice Bergeron has stepped out of the uh, spotlight of captaincy and leadership in Boston. Um, I feel like Brad Marchand always felt a little bit of pressure to do whatever he can to help out his best friend on the ice, to feed yeah. him pucks. He's not going to have that that siphon of puck possession going towards Patrice anymore. I'm not, and That's not me saying anything poorly about Patrice. But Brad knows it's up to him now to put the puck in the net. And I think we're going to see a big resurgence out of Brad Marchand this year.
2: And it's interesting you say that because one of the articles that I wrote um, for the Hockey News while I was in Boston before I left was, are we going to see a a resurgence, or I'm paraphrasing what I wrote, are we going to see a resurgence or a return to form for Brad Marchand? Because Brad Marchand scored the fewest goals in a season since his first, first, first full season in the NHL. That was 2010-2011, 21. Before that, he was... You can pencil him in for 30 to 35 goals per season. Guaranteed. Last year, we knew that he was coming off the, the, the double hip surgeries and and him coming back um, an offense. The offensive number took a dip. And some people were wondering: well, surgery, yeah, but he is getting older. He is now 35 years old. Is this the start of a dip in offensive production? Given what we had seen in the previous uh four or five years um combined. So is this the start of the of the regress? And I was and I personally felt at the time, and I feel this way, even now that training camp has officially begun for the Boston Bruins, that I think that he returns now. He I feel like he's going to really, really take on that leadership and realizing that he, it's him now. Obviously, we know that there's the leadership group on the Bruins, obviously, with McAvoy and as well as um Hemp is um Lindholm and as well as David Posanak and so forth. We mm-hmm. we know that. And as well as the return of Milan Lucic as well. But Marshan is the guy that has been here throughout it all. And that actually means something to the younger guys, or the guys that are now entering the prime of their careers. And I'm talking about notably like um, Jake DeBrusque, who is going to be due for a contract in very short order, yep. um, as well as... Um, like David Posanak, who's, who, who's now signed long-term as well. So, Marshan being the guy and him recognizing just how, how huge and how special this opportunity is, I think you're going to see a different level of Marshan this year. And I'm not just talking solely in terms of performance on the ice, but recognizing that, hey, that core that had been a, a Bruin for so long, Chauer, Bergeron, Krejci, uh, and including Rask as well, they're yeah. gone, and yeah. he's the guy now.
0: Yeah, that book is shut. This is now a whole new chapter in the Boston Bruins. Yes, mm-hmm. This is a this is his opportunity to say, you know, I can leave my legacy of being more than just. Patrice Bergeron's right-hand man. Now that Patrice is gone, this is my chapter. I'm going to help guide these young Bruins that are looking to take the next steps in their career. Oh, yeah. You know, the McAvoy, the Lindholm, the Pasternak. Even even Charlie Coyle, I would say, is kind of in that bucket,
2: too. You're starting um, to get there now, yeah. You're yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and and I think it's his opportunity to say it's 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 my time to take this thing by the reins and and drive this 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 team here um you alluded to debrusque and I think that's a good thing to kind of mention too um the the management of the Bruins met with the media earlier today yeah. in Boston and we we're talking about the naming of. Brad Marchand to the captaincy. Uh, obviously he got effusive praise everyone has great things to say about him despite, you know, some of the antics that he's had in his past career here. Um but something that was brought up by a media member was the contractual situation for Jake DeBrusk. And it's interesting because how do you kind of project what Jake DeBrusk does? I mean, you look at what he's done historically, you know, he was one of our top wingers last year, definitely a top six guy, always mm-hmm. on the top line. Um, but then there's also the whole Bruce Cassidy fiasco where he was asking out, and is that a player that can actually commit here emotionally long term? And is that somebody that we can commit financially, you know, six plus million a year to? Um, are there any concerns there? What are your thoughts on that, Shukri?
2: That's a great question because I look at it in which that. The that whole fiasco of Bruce Cassidy is now a thing of the past. I was on it, and I was vocal about on it on, um, on social media when it first happened, and now I kind of look at this and saying that if you are going to sign Jake DeBrus long-term, that is the right deal to make. That's the right move, but how much? That's really the big question right now. But here's the kicker. Here's the positive that I don't think really much of anybody has really talked about this at depth just yet. But remember, next year, the cap goes up significantly. So Jay DeBrus becoming a free agent is kind of happening at the perfect time. It's happening at the right time because he can actually ask for More than just the six million dollars or six and a half million. Let's say if he scores and he stays healthy, let's add that in there. Let's say if he scores thirty to thirty-five goals, right? He could easily say, "Hey, um, I I like to get paid like I would say six and a half, like seven million dollars." Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's unreasonable. You will have people that will say, "Like, shoot, that's that's way too high." Like, this is a guy that, um, that that had he he's had his differences, but here's my thing to that. He's become a lot more defensively responsible, which is why I would say I have no problem with the Bruins giving him seven million. Let's say if the Bruins say, Hey, you know what? We'll sign you six years, seven million annual average value. We'll give you that. I have no problem with that deal because you've seen how he's thrived under Jim Montgomery. You've seen. Just like the, the growth under Jim Montgomery, not just offensively, but defensively. And obviously, playing on that top line with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron last season did him so much wonders. And I'm not talking just solely offensively, but his overall game. I feel like him playing on that top line with Bergeron, especially the last couple of years, have shown... Him And it's taught him how to be a lot more defensive, responsible in all three zones, in every facet of the game, how he's improved um, in terms of him being a weapon on the power play as well. So if I'm the Bruins management, I would actually get this deal as soon as you can because the salary cap is going up next summer. And there are teams out there, and I'm going to put this out there, there will be teams out there, like whether it's the New York Rangers or the Edmonton Oilers, That is going to be willing to pay him top dollar because of what he of the the intelligence that he brings to the table.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And and I think that just keeping in mind the 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 big cap changes that are coming up, I mean, with the escrow, it's
2: a game game changer. This is why I'm, I'm talking about this now. It needs to be a point of contention.
0: I agree 100%. I mean, with the cap changes that are coming with the result of the escrow finally being paid off and the TV dollars that are coming in from the league, um, from ESPN and TNT, you know, just next year, the Bruins are looking at about $30 in cap space. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a good point. You know, I feel a lot more comfortable with throwing... $7 million at Jake DeBrusca and we have that much money available. Now, I'm not advocating for just throwing money around willy-nilly. we got to still be – the Bruins still need to be responsible with that. But with the current personnel in place on the management side, Evan Gold is a cap genius. Like, this guy knows what he's doing. The current um, general manager of the Providence Bruins, assistant GM for the Boston Bruins. Um, You know, every time last year I was like, oh, there's no way the Bruins can add anything according to the cap. And he would find some – rabbit to pull out of his hat to to make that team even better um question so on the topic of you know the cap space for next year and uh, the obvious need for center help and the ongoing news ooh. that's coming out of tampa bay right now with steven stamkos's negotiations with the uh, gm of the the lightning julian briswa it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like there's a great tone down there do you no. think that there's a fit next year for steven stamkos in boston
2: which is why I'm so glad you asked this question, Aaron. I don't think it's a wild question to ask because Bruin fans, let me reiterate this point right here, right now. The cap is going up and the Bruins are about to have salary cap rates the size of the Indian Ocean. So the, the question that Ace is bringing up now is not crazy because I want all of you who haven't seen this yet go and watch the video of Steven Stamkos, the captain at the top of a Lightning, addressing the media earlier today ahead of the Lightning opening their training cap as well, that's got to send off alarms across the NHL. Like, uh oh, something ain't this ain't right here. Now we're talking about someone who's a 500 goal on, on scorer in the NHL, obviously a surefire Hall of Famer, and still a top line, top center um, a, a position player in the league. And he's only, what, 31, 32 years old? He's still got, like, maybe three or four top premium years remaining given that he stays healthy and he continues to stay healthy as he has. So so you would wonder, hmm, if things go south with the Lightning in terms of Stamkos um, contractually getting a new deal and whatnot, does that mean maybe the Bruins should, you know, make a play for Stamkos? I would say yes. I actually would say yes because I just don't know what you have in terms of your center right now. Outside of Poitras, the yep. the, the kid, the, the, the young kid, I don't yeah. know what what player that you can say that you you can say. You know what? I think he's maybe another year or two away that he, from being NHL ready. I just don't see it right now. So the Bruins are in a position where they don't have a choice but to start looking at the free agent market, who's going to be a free agent in 2024, summer 2024. And, folks, July 1st is only, what, a little less than 10 months away? So it's not that far away. So you have to start thinking ahead that, hey, mm-hmm. who who are some of the top centers available that's going to be available come next summer? Sam Stamkos is going to be one of them. So if I'm the Bruins, I'm keeping an eye out very closely ask for what that situation is is um, unfolding down in Tampa Bay.
0: Yeah, so Stamkos is 33 years old right now. Um, so by, by the time okay. next season rolls around, he'll be 34 years old. I mean, the guy that you just named Captain Brad Marchand is 35 right now, so I don't want to hear too many concerns about age. Like, what is to stop the Boston Bruins from putting Age's a, aware a we two-year, $10 million contract per year in front of Stephen Stamkos to come and lead that top-line center role? Like nothing's to stop them. I mean, you can sign DeBrus for seven million. Yeah. You can sign Stamkos to ten million, and you're still gonna have about thirteen million in cap space to plug the other holes that need to be plugged. And they'll be able to do that. So I I thought and it was also, super interesting. Hey,
2: and just real quick, also don't forget Jeremy Swayman. The in terms of his contract, long term, that's gonna come into play very in very short order like although they they did they did come to a, an agreement but still you got to start thinking about Tom Swayman's deal his next contract what that's going to potentially look like as well
0: it's a good point and and obviously we are a goaltender friendly podcast here so yeah. goalies are definitely something that we're going to talk about um i have i'm going to put this out there right now this is going to be the last year of the goalie hug it's not financially feasible to continue this Linus Olmark, Jeremy Swayman tandem I beyond agree. this year. Mm-hmm. So I think at the end of this year, the Bruins front office is going to be presented with a choice. Who is our guy? Is it Linus Olmark? Is it Jeremy Swayman? And whomever they decide is their guy they commit to, and they're going to find a trade for whatever draft capital they can get for the other guy. They're going to go for the biggest return they can find. Because we touched about on this with Ty Anderson on the pod Um the Bruins have a, a pretty good uh, yet untested guy in the wings here in Brandon Bussey. You know, oh, he was yeah, an all star goalie at the AHL level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to come to a time that he's going to be waivers eligible. And the Bruins would be doing themselves a disservice by exposing a player like that to waivers. You got to do what you did with Dan Vladar. If they think that Bussey will not be able to play at the NHL level, some other GM is going to want to have a crack at that and they'd Absolutely. be able to get a second round pick or whatever. Um, so that's that's kind of the logjam that we're at right now. It's not sustainable to keep these two goaltenders on the roster together beyond this year, in my opinion.
2: I agree because I even I like, posed the question whether if the Bruins or should the Bruins trade Linus Olmark um, during the off season, um like this, like this past off season, and there are there are a lot of people that were saying no, they shouldn't. And personally, I was saying. For right now, no, because that is your strength going into this season. We're just focusing on this season only for right now. That's that is your strength, goaltending. Name me a better goaltending duo in the NHL. You there can. isn't one. There isn't one better than than, than Omar and Swayman. Omar, obviously being the the the, the reigning Vesna Trophy winner, and if he has another strong year, it may not be as good as it was last season, but as but as just at least seventy five percent as good. You got a legitimate decision to make because, and I agree with you, you don't have, you don't have the opportunity to keep both of them long term. You have to make a decision. And as you mentioned about Brandon Bussey, who's down in Providence, who is basically knocking on the door of the big league club in the Boston Bruins, you're thinking, hmm, if he could be, potentially be the next guy, and he could be a backup goaltender to either Swamin or Mark. One of these two gotta go, and if I'm the Bruins, I'm keeping swimming long term. And you're moving on from Olmark because part of it is, I also go back to the the NHL award ceremony. He was not in a good mood because he knew that his name was being circulated in trade rumors at that time. This past, last June, you know, because obviously with all of the changes that were to, that were to come for the Boston Bruins there were question marks surrounding whether if, um if Omar was going to remain a Bruin um, for next season and so forth, he knows that, that it's only a matter of time. It's a matter of when, or if he gets moved, it shouldn't shock anybody. If it happens, if, throw your emotions aside completely, but, tr- but personally, it would not surprise me if he gets moved, let's say next off season, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he stays. But I think, the Bruins should be thinking long term, younger. You go with Swainman, and we'll we'll see what happens. But that's that that's a kind of a bigger conversation. Potentially, let's revisit it. Let's say trade deadline, but that is a legitimate conversation that needs to be had.
0: I heard rumors that Pittsburgh had inquired with Boston about Linus Olmark, and they made what many that were in the loop on the offer. Was a very fair offer, and they had reason to believe that they were about to acquire the player. Um, obviously, Don Sweeney elected not to do it, but I thought that was very interesting when I heard that rumor that mm. Linus Hallmark was very closely to becoming a Penguin. And it, it goes right back to kind of what you were talking about that, that you know, uncertainty a little bit there, um, with where things were going. I mean, hell, he even threw a little bit of shade at at goalie Bob Ascenza, I felt like,
2: yeah, at he, did. That, he did at
0: that uh award ceremony,
2: yeah like which is which is why like him doing that and Bob Ascenzo is is a, a long-standing goal, goaltender coach for the Boston Bruins and for me it was like really him of all people ah uh, I don't I don't like I don't like that at all I don't like that one bit although I don't fault him for being frustrated I don't fault him for for being angry at the Bruins organization in that regard given that you just had arguably the best goaltending season, regular season, arguably since Tim Thomas. So I kind of look at this and I say, hmm, there's something there. Would it behoove me that, or if Don Sweeney were to move on from from him like next offseason, trade him for a considerable return, a big return at that? No, especially if he has another monster uh, year um, for the Bruins this year like he had last season.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, there's going to be a lot more stories to go over when it comes to training camp. Um, tomorrow is the first day where the bees are hitting the ice. Yes, um, you're going to probably be able to see some really interesting things, such as uh, you know uh, tentative line combos, because um, it's always a good thing to kind of see who they are playing certain players with. Like if you see uh, if you see AJ Greer out there, and they're playing him with obvious players that are going to be playing in providence that's probably a good indicator that they don't have plans for him on the fourth line this year um so just keep an eye out for those types of things and we'll be diving into it when we continue to record the the rest of the episode here at the two pad stack um but in personal news shukri i just wanted to kind of throw it over to you and i know that you've been involved in the sports scene um sports media scene for a few years now yeah. i'm just uh, i'm curious how did you kind of cut your teeth in this in this line of work why did you decide to do this and And uh,
2: yeah, if you could just give me some context on that, that would be awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll be more than happy to. First and foremost, before I even get into it, let me first start off by saying that don't make the mistake of reading too much into what players are reading into or, or playing like on what line on, let's say, day one of practice for training camp. I feel like that is a common mistake that I mean that us hockey fans tend to make. Like, oh my God, why is um why is a top six four playing on playing on the third line? Um, it's practice. You're just seeing what works, what line gels, like like what's there, like what works, what what doesn't work. This is the time to do it. And then remember, ladies and gentlemen, the first preseason game, four days, four more days to the first preseason game. That's all. So. With that being said, and to answer your question, um, I knew from when I was young, growing up in New York, um, that I've always wanted to be in broadcasting, being sports media. That, that is my passion, my dream, and everything. And when I moved to Boston in 2017, I didn't know, like, how that would you know come about at all. I didn't know like how to go about things and so forth, and and for me i think the biggest thing that changed everything for me personally was and still is not being afraid to reach out to people who are already in the industry ask questions pick their brains and and like if you're in boston or anywhere anywhere else but this is just a general general thing don't be afraid to put yourself out there don't be Afraid to be the the dummy, as as I once heard, being the dummy is the best thing you can do because you don't know you're coming from a place of humility, you don't know, so you ask questions, reach out to people that are already doing, like hey, how did you, how did you, uh, how did you get into it and whatnot, and I'm glad you asked the question, and so I reached out to to to, some, to who to my mentor, someone who I who I look up to, and he was more than more than gracious, more than. Willing to give me some of his time to just, you know, talk to me about, hey, like this is what you sh- i would recommend that you do. You wanna do pay play or you do you wanna do um like the you know, podcasting or radio or become a radio host and whatnot? Is this what you wanna do? You know, start get by getting your reps, you know, do podcast, like you know, go if you wanna do a radio show, check out community radio stations and you know just just like reach out to the program directors, you know, like ask questions, you know, hey, like I, I'm interested in joining a radio station because I would like to host my own radio show. What do I do? What should I do? And, and like you, you'd you be surprised by, by what's out there. And I would, I would tell you that, um, that in itself 100% changed the trajectory of my career, 100%. And, and you know, like when, uh, the, the pandemic happened, Uh, My my best friend was one of the people who actually strongly recommended me that I, you know, get into podcasting because before the shutdown, I actually toyed around with it just a little bit, you know, here and there. But the the, uh, the pandemic really gave me the opportunity because we're all locked in our homes. We were all locked in, obviously. And, you know, you got nothing to do unless if you are an essential worker, you have time on your hands make a podcast, you know, reach out to people who are also in the industry who at the time during that, that few months of no sports, reach out to people. They're all at home, reach out. And that's what I did. I started, you know, talking to broadcasters or also industry, like most notably for me, um, Brian Anderson, um, Dave Sims, as well as like just other, um, sports media personalities that are in the industry like especially in boston christian Arcan, who's become a really good friend of mine sean silver of 98.5 the sports of Arcan of ei now um like just just the list goes on and on and on and on so i would tell people that doing a podcast and reaching out to people and not being afraid to ask questions is what's helped me so far and um like this, and the same, the same applies. Even though I'm not in Boston anymore, the same applies now. Like just reaching out to people, like networking with, connecting with people, and you'd be surprised by, um, by, um, by the people that are actually willing to, you know, give you an opportunity, like you know, talk to you. They want to talk to you, have a conversation, and so forth.
0: Yeah. And, and I really think that this community in Boston and and like you said, I, I personally haven't been exposed to other sports markets, so I can't speak to them, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine it's too alien or different than what we have here. But a lot of the sports writers and, and sports professionals in the media world, um, they are more than happy to sit down and give you some of their time and talk about what they did. And yeah. and I know that, um, you know, many of them actually even work with some of the educational institutions around that are doing sports yes. journalism programs. Is a prime example yeah yeah so yeah that's really great to hear that you had your mentor shukri and that and that's a good example for everyone listening to not just for sports media like there's no such thing as a stupid question right raise yeah, your yeah. hand and ask mm-hmm. if you need help get the help that you need like there's people out there that want to share their successes and their 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 failures um so you can learn from it so yeah that's great insight man i really appreciate that absolutely um, what are you up to these days? Um, I know you're back in New York now. So what are what are you doing professionally now?
2: Well, right now, I'm doing um, podcasting. Um, that's, that's really like a lot of my work that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And um, like, and we'll see what happens coming down the pipe. Um, yeah. In fact, just uh, just yesterday, I was just um, on Fox Sports, uh, Fox Sports Radios, Fox Sports The Gambler um, in Philadelphia. So um, like that that was a blast. It really was. Um, I pinned the the, the entire, um, in, interview segment on my Twitter page at Shukri rights. So you can listen to it in full. Like it's, it's great. You know, like just having the opportunity to, to, you know, like um be, be in a big market or, or, and whatnot and being interviewed on, on different media outlets. So, so it's, it's great. Um, like just a lot of, you know, podcasting and just, um, you know, like first time, you know, like being out of Boston, um, in six and a half years. So it's a lot of, you know, like getting, uh, getting like reacclimated and getting myself like, 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 right. Exactly. So like, so that's really just what I'm doing. Like getting reps by doing podcasts, like doing podcast interviews uh, for yours. And I'm going to be doing my podcast after, um, after, after your, um, your, your your recording is complete. So just a lot of just, just work and getting reps, um, behind the mic and as well as, like in front of the camera as well good stuff man
0: yeah so like like he
2: said you can find
0: him at um on twitter or x whatever you want to call it i still call it twitter but he's at at shukri writes yeah um any other social platforms where we can find you and did you want to plug your podcast info too
2: yeah you can find the shukri's podcast on youtube you can find it on all across uh podcasting uh, platforms iHeartRadio radio um predominantly spotify as well um if you if you have the odyssey app you can find it there as well and as well as apple podcast um but i'm also i also do work with believe network as well there is something or some things coming down the pipe with that so that's good that's still being kept under wraps so we'll Exciting. see like what, like what we'll we'll see um, what what that will um, look like but it is going to look very different so We'll see. Like I'll, I'll let everyone know wh- what that is and what that will look like once the time is right. And um, as far as social is concerned, you can find me on Tiktok at Shukri writes as well. Um, Instagram S radio underscore. So like you, that's how you can find me on, on socials as well. Sweet. Yeah. Guys, if you haven't followed Shukri,
0: make sure you do that. Um, he's been one of my favorite follows for the last few years. Um, so definitely give him a shout uh, and, and follow him there. Um, I want to be respectful of your time, Shu. Could you have any closing thoughts on the bees or anything
2: this year uh, before you wrap things up? I would say, um, I would say that this is going to be an interesting year. I do think the Bruins will still be competitive, but do expect a bit more growing pain, so to speak, with this team um, as we enter training camp and preseason games are just a few short days away. So be patient with this team. It's going to take some time for this team to gel. And, and also your, this team lost a lot of offense during the off, off season. Bergeron gone, um, obviously retirement, Krejci gone, retirement, Tyler Bertuzzi gone, um, you know, in free agency now with the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, as well like uh, you know like just just a lot of losses in terms of just offense and you know so, so Dimitri Olof also gone as well so you you got to be a, a little patient don't expect the team to get off to like a raw start if it does great but the point is they're going to be competitive they're not going to be a bad team I don't think they're going to be a bad team so just be a little patient if things get off to a little bit of a slow start um, to start off the season once it once it begins in in three weeks on on october the 11th against the blackhawks so it's 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 gonna be good i'm excited for the season anytime we get to the start of training camp it's like hey summer really is over now it's done now fall is here now we can get our focus back to the hockey grind from now to the end of the Stanley Cup final next june so that's a that's a long beautiful nine months so i'm i'm excited for that
0: i love it i can't wait for it to start it the, when, when training camp starts that's what triggers fall for me it's not all the goddamn oh, spice everything everywhere I'm not a pumpkin guy so um, <laughs> <laughs> i can't do it
2: uh, i'm glad you i'm glad you threw that out there because i like, listen nothing wrong with a dude if you like it but don't be one of those that gets it like in, in like august or something I'm like really yeah, give it right? some time for god's sakes like It's not that hard to just wait a little longer for that, you know? Come
0: on, Duncan. Like, I don't need it shoved down my throat in uh, (laughs) late July. Like, I don't want to see pumpkin munchkins. Like, just get out of here. (laughs) All right, Shukri, it was awesome having you on, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the two-pad stack. Um, Hopefully,
2: maybe we can have you back on later on in the season. Absolutely. Um, Like, just let me know ahead of time. I'd be more than happy to. Like, and I just want to put this out there for any Bruin fan – um and, and content creator who wants to have me on their platform i'm 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 available just let me know ahead of time i'll try i'll try my best to like you know carve out the time and and come on and like so absolutely it's my pleasure um ace thank you so much for having me on and i really enjoyed coming on the pod with you um today awesome awesome all right chuki right everybody and um, we'll be right back uh with the rest of the episode
0: and we're back yeah so Thanks very much to uh, Shukri Wrights for joining me and chatting some bees hockey. Um, really enjoyed our chat about Stephen Stamkos, and he hit the nail on the head. You know, we, uh, we're we going to see a very interesting offseason next offseason with the amount of cap space that the bees have. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see a Jake DeBrusque extension happening in the short term and mm-hmm. taking up some of that cap space. Um, so we'll have, have to have see a lot. how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah before we wrap today um let's take a look forward so we like i indicated before in the episode we saw a lot of younger players or bubble players that were on the ice today um monty was really kind of tapping those guys that are needing to fight for a spot to get out there and play um they're going to be probably traveling tomorrow up to buffalo what kind of lineup do you want to see burge
1: I still want to see a, a good mix of the vets and the, and, you know, the rest of the kids there. I mean, I'd love to see one of the goalies get, get in there, get some action, either Omar Marcus Swayman, even if it's for a period, just something small to get them, you know, get him some work. Um, would love to see again, some of the NHL guys get, get into that, get into that lineup and and start getting that rust off from, from, you know, being off for, for, for a while. Um, be interested to see what kind of mix they come out with. I mean, I'm sure that we'll see the captain Brad Marchand out there at some point wearing his C with the new with the new Centennial jerseys. And I want to just see what they're what they're kind of looking at to to play with for 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 line combinations going into the uh, going into the regular season. Because I like guess like like we've talked about before, I think a lot of it's up in the air as to where things are going to fall. And I want to see what what kind of combinations they play with and see where where it ends up. Yeah, I, I think that uh,
0: I'm not so eager to see Brad Marchand out there in a preseason game. Like, let's um let's let you just keep skating with the boys on practices, but I don't <laughs> I don't want some fucking tweener thinking that he's gonna get his jollies or get his attention from his team to make the Buffalo fucking Sabers by running Brad Marchand from behind. You know what I mean?
1: No, like, I, I agree with you.
0: I agree with you. I want to mitigate that as much like I'd say, let's get him in for a game, one of these preseason games, but I'm not chomping at the bit to get him out there. I would love, however, I would love to see as you had kind of indicated some of those potential combinations that'll be regular season options played. I want to see the Lauco Beecher, Lucic combination utilized in one of these preseason games. And I think going out to Buffalo, who's going to be a really good team, a, a tough team this year, I think, um, I think that'd be a fun little thing to watch for us. And it would give Beecher another chance, another rep, the show that he belongs at a 4C role.
1: Yeah, give the Buffalo fans a chance to boo Lucic again for running Ryan Miller all those years ago.
0: <laughs> Did you hear that interview with Lauko? So they were asking Lauko, they're like, what's it like to, to play with Milan Lucic? And he's like, oh, well, you know, growing up, he was somebody that I saw playing for the Bees. Even though he was over in the Czech Republic, he still followed NHL hockey. And he's like, I really remember the, they're like, is there any play about Lucic that you really think of? And he's like, oh yeah. When he ran Ryan Miller and that was the yeah. play that
1: he referenced when he thinks of Milan Lucic.
2: He's
0: a
1: fit on that line. Lock it down now.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine doing that again? I bet yeah. you like that single hit. And if people have said this before, that hit sent the Buffalo Sabres into that spiral, that death spiral, just the lack of response to that. Mm-hmm killed that franchise and let's not last 10 years
1: let's not forget that that a hit like that nowadays he's getting suspended for that hit (laughs) oh yeah (laughs)
0: so probably like five plus games now. yeah
1: it'd be a lengthy suspension if you're gonna absolutely just truck a goalie so no i I, i'm excited to see what 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 happens uh in these next games you know with the sabers and the the back-to-back home and home with the flyers over the weekend so yep real hockey is back
0: baby by the time you're listening to this, if it is Tuesday, you got Hockey Tonight to watch, so bees are in Buffalo. Um, but, yeah, we're going to be uh, home at home with the Flyers later on. I think you'll probably start to see some uh, some cuts. Some of those players on two-way deals will probably be signed down to Providence. Mm-hmm. You'll see that. Because uh, right now, what what an NHL coach wants to do, and I heard this on SiriusXM NHL Network Radio, I'm not pulling this out of my ass pretending to be an NHL coach, Bruce Boudreaux was on the radio, and he was like, When training camp starts, I want to get to as close to my normal amount of people as possible, um, as fast as possible, because Mm -hmm. it is such a pain in the ass to just try to pretend like this guy that's ECHL quality, that is probably a fourth line player in Providence. Like, I don't really have time for you. Like, as shitty as that is to say, like, I want to get working with what my team is going to be and start working on systems and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, strategies and, and stuff like that. So, um, you're probably going to see a lot of cuts sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah. I think, I think we'll have a pretty, a pretty good cut down by, I would say by next weekend, you're going to see a really good amount of, uh, you know, you're going to start seeing the roster take its form and you'll, you'll still have some of those guys that are be bubble fringe, you know, maybe Providence call up kind of type players still playing. But after that, I mean, you're going to start, you're going to want to start working on what your team's going to look like. And I can totally, totally, you know, be with Bruce Boudreaux on that because it's it's a waste of time at the end of the day. You're trying to get a team ready to go play in the NHL. You don't want to be sitting here looking at guys that you know, after a couple of practices, you can tell they don't have it and are not ready yet. Like,
0: like what Babcock said to that one guy. It's like, oh, isn't <laughs> it great sitting on an NHL bench? Don't get used to it. This is the last fucking time you're ever gonna yeah. do it.
1: What <laughs> yeah, <the man>. fuck? <laughs> you're wasting my time, yeah. So Jesus no, I totally, man, right. I totally am there with you on that. Definitely, uh, definitely get that roster down as close as possible as quickly as possible.
0: Now I do want to see the PTO guys. I was kind of surprised I didn't see them tonight. Um, I want to see Heinen. I want to see Chase on. They, I feel like they, they deserve a shot. They signed the PTO. They're invested in the Bruins. I mean, obviously not a full contract, but a PTO. There's an uh, an inherent level of risk in that, right? from the player's perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't have guaranteed money coming in if they suddenly break a leg while they're playing. Like, Mm -hmm. they are investing in the Bruins to give them a legitimate chance to make the team. And um, I think you have to give them some sort of opportunity to show what they've got. Now, I I honestly think that even if Heinen went in there and and got pulled from a precautionary side of things, I think that Heinen's got the skill set to probably be offered um, low salary uh, contract for that third line. I think he's a perfect fit for that third line wing.
1: I'm there with you. I'm more excited to see what he's got to bring to the table than chase on. To, if I'm all being honest with you, excuse hey, me, uh, I, I want Danton yeah. Heinen to make this team. Cause I think he got was a player when he was here, he got a unnecessary amount of hate from the, from the fan base and I want to see him back. And he's been productive since he left. So I think he like you said, he's gonna be he would be a fantastic fit on that third line.
0: I didn't really see this in Alex Chason's game before he came here to us. And I confess I'm not a super well educated uh hockey fan regarding Alex Chason. But when I was at training camp, I was sitting, like I said before, I was sitting right on the glass and Mason Lowry grabbed the puck and he tried to skate it around. And Alex Chason fucking destroyed him, like inches away from me. And I didn't <laughs> know he had that physicality. To I thought he was like a big soft puppy dog from what I heard from like Red Wings fans and and Oilers fans. And nah, dude, like he wrecked him. And I looked at it, I saw I saw the malice in his eyes when he destroyed <laughs> Mason Lori on the board. I was like. Like if we could get a guy like that, like between Lucic and if Jason makes this team, like uh, that predatory style forecheck mm-hmm. that I think has been missing from
1: this team for a long time, <sighs> that gets my Bruins fan jollies going, dude. Yeah, that kind of that big bad Bruins kind of kind of mentality, and I I saw a little bit of of his physical side. I think I've watched a couple of couple of either highlights or games when he was playing in Edmonton and you, you could see he had that kind of edge I don't want to say it was like a you know a Lucic type at, at that level of you know when Lucic was in his prime but like he had he does play with a physical side and you know he, he would be a fit here but I, I don't want to have too many of those guys on the roster you know going forward I mean we have you know Lucic obviously is going to make the team and then you're going to have you know, a couple other guys that are going to fill in, play that role. I I don't want to have too many of those types of guys because then, you know, you're going to lose in other facets of the game.
0: Yeah, agreed. Well, it'll be super interesting and fascinating to see what they end up doing. Um, I will be certainly watching on Tuesday um, and also on the other games. And uh, we'll provide some uh, analysis on these games that go by uh, for the next time that we record. Um, Burj any closing thoughts for this week's episode?
1: No, just, just reaching out saying thank you to Shakuri writes for joining the podcast. And I hope to be, again, I've seemed to have missed every one of these fun interviews you've had just based on timing and Morton schedules, not lining up, hoping to be on, you know, next time one of these guys comes on and, you know, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing it. I haven't heard the full interview yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to listening to it. So thanks again for taking the time out of the uh, day to join up with us.
0: Yeah, definitely. Shout out to Rights and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get Burge on one of these interviews eventually. I don't know why he has like a job or something. Like just uh, drop everything. Uh, wait, so. I
1: thought you were you thought you were you were purposely hiding me for some of my takes. That's what uh, that was the uh, the ongoing rumor on the uh, Twitter sphere. Yeah, I'm sheltering. Me. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
0: you're not. Um, you're not PC enough. Uh, not Homer enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, y'all, just another reminder, uh, we'll be back next week. Make sure you're following uh, Ace and Burge on Twitter. Um, Follow Shukri as well for his uh, participation and joining us this week. And uh, we'll see you all next week.
1: Yeah, have a good week.
0: Peace.